Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's episode is a little different. I recently did a webinar for accountants on how to go from confusion to connection and basically teaching them how to de-escalate conflict, how to resolve issues at home and at work. At the end of the webinar, there were a bunch of questions, six actually total, that I then recorded and sent off to them. And so I realized that some of you might be experiencing the same issues at home or at work in terms of uh, connection and communication. And what we covered are uh, bullying, um, dealing with a narcissist at work, uh, how, how to handle feeling judged, and how to communicate with somebody who seems distracted. So with that said, let's hop into those six questions. If you have questions that you'd like me to answer on this podcast, email me at leoflowers2000 at gmail.com. leoflowers2000 at gmail.com. Let's hop into the episode. Let's get into the first question. Question number one, I'm just going to read them as they were typed so that you can recognize your question, and then we will answer. Question number one, fundamentally, when speaking to someone, I find that paying attention to that person, i.e. eye contact, facing them, giving them space at the same time, and just listening does wonders. Instead, a person might be on their phone while talking to the other person, or they rush to finish your thought. How does everyone feel with this? Well, I want to address the first part of this question of eye contact, facing them, um, giving them space and time. Not everyone is comfortable with eye contact and facing them. There's a lot of research showing that some people find it confrontational or adversarial. If you think about a boxing match image, when they do this person versus that person, they are facing each other and creating eye contact. I personally, when I go out to dinner with my girlfriend, we sit next to each other. It feels more like we are in this together than if we're sitting across from each other. And it's like, so what do you have? What do you have? And it's like a ping pong going back and forth kind of thing. And if you look at the research, it also shows that introverts are less comfortable with strong eye contact and facing each other. They would prefer more side to side or sitting at an angle versus sitting right across from each other. And if you're trying to figure out if the person you're working with is more extroverted than introverted, the key question to ask is, with your free time, would you rather spend that reading a book or would you rather spend that hanging out with friends? Now, that's not the only question to ask, but usually introverts recharge with alone time and extroverts recharge by hanging around people. So just keep that in mind when you're deciding if you're going to sit across from the person and make strong eye contact or if you want to sit next to that person um, and, and be more side to side or at least more uh, at more of an angle. 
The second part is if the other person is on their phone while talking to someone, we can politely ask them to get off the phone and say, hey, I see that you're on the phone. I'm sure it's uh, an emergency, uh, but can we take two minutes of undistracted time to discuss this? So one, empathizing with their situation because we don't know why the person is on the phone. It very well could be an emergency. Their kid is in, um, you know, been injured at school or something, you know, happened at home that they have to attend to. And then two, to uh, make the request of, I'd like to have um, undistracted time. So you're letting them know that it's a distraction for you. And then three, we set a time limit of, can we have two minutes of undistracted time uh, so that we can get through this? That way the person knows and can communicate to the person that they're talking to how soon they can call them back. Say, hey, can I call you back in two minutes? So uh, empathizing with their situation and then um, letting them know what your needs are or at least how you feel about what they're doing where it's a distraction. But three, and then setting a time limit on it. And then, you know, if they say no, then, you know, ask for a reschedule. Say, is there a time where we can reschedule this that would be um, where we could have undistracted time and, and, and focus on the project at hand? And the last part of this question was about people who rush to finish your thought. This is frustrating for me also. So what I do is I slow the conversation down. If I begin talking and then a person cuts me off, then I take even longer to respond. I'll take about three exhales, get grounded in my body, and then I'll respond. And if they continue to cut me off, then I go, hey, I notice that as I'm trying to explain, you know, my point to you, that you are interjecting and I'd like to finish my thought. Put it on the table. Be very honest and upfront with them. Um, and you, because otherwise you'll find yourself rushing to answer the question and then they'll speed it up even more. And then you'll kind of feel this unsafety, this, uh, this feeling of uh, not just not feeling safe in the conversation and rushing to finish your ideas. And then it's not fun. You're no, you're no longer present in what is happening. Um, and then also you might try to reschedule it for another time of the day. Because what happens is, some people may feel more rushed at a certain time of the day, right? If the morning is really busy and they're thinking about the next three projects, that might be a reason why they're rushing you to finish your thought. Yeah, 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 I got it. Okay, okay. Right, 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 right. They might do that kind of thing. Where like if you reschedule it and talk to them in the afternoon or in the evening, they might be calmer, more serene, and less stressed or pressured. So, Notice how they respond and what their energy levels are at different times of the day, if that's something that you can play around with. Let's hop into question number two. How do we ask the owner not to text while talking with us? Well, this was kind of addressed in the last question, but once again, I'll dig into it to say, um, once again, I, we want to start with the empathy. 
I understand that sometimes the building's on fire or that there are emergencies that pop up during our meeting. Um, however, it, it, uh, it's a bit distracting for me. I would ask that we could have three minutes of undistracted time. Does that work for you? So by asking, does that work for you, you're, you're letting them know that I'm not making a demand. I'm not making a command. I'm asking and I need your buy-in. And if they say yes, then um, great. If they say no, then you say, well, is there a time we can reschedule this that, uh, where we could have undistracted time? So it's just really about setting the boundaries, which includes empathy, um, letting them know what your why is. It's distracting for you. And making the request and uh, setting a time limit on it so that they so that then they can communicate once again with the person that they're talking to and saying, hey, let's pick this up in five minutes. I'm in a meeting right now. Um, and then even if they say no, you find them back on the phone, at least you've made your voice heard. And over time, you might see them start to course correct. And then that way it becomes easier for you in the future. Like, hey, remember last time I talked to you um, about that being a bit distracting for me and just laying it out there and seeing um, how their behavior changes. Question number three, how do you handle a narcissist at work? Communicating with them is nearly impossible. When we're talking about someone who's narcissistic at work, um, these are people who will purposely surround themselves with employees who shower them with compliments valuing them over other employees who might do better work. Um, what makes a narcissist a narcissist is that their self-worth is based on admiration from others. So how do we deal with a narcissist at work? One is stay calm. Yelling, screaming, losing your temper, that gives them great satisfaction because it makes them feel like they have power over you. So this is where breathing, stepping away, um, getting grounded in your body, uh, you know, whatever you can do to stay calm in the moment and not lose your emotions. And part of that is number two, which is establish clear boundaries, right? Uh, because narcissists are going to push your boundaries consistently. They're like little robots. They keep coming. And, you know, if they push your boundaries, you can say something like, I told you I wasn't going to discuss this issue again today, so I'm ending the conversation now. Feel free to put your concerns about not getting the corner office in an email. And then, so you're not only establishing the boundaries, you're telling them how they can, you're letting them know that you're not comfortable with the action they took, but you're also letting them know and reminding them of the action that would be comfortable for you, for them to take for you, um, i.e., if you you know want this request for a bigger office, put it in an email instead of barging into my office, right? So setting the clear boundary, letting them know what actions are appropriate, instead of just saying, well, that's not appropriate, we also have to tell them what is appropriate. So we have to make sure that we are clear and specific and and um, telling them what we do want from them and how we would like them to approach it instead of just saying, uh, you know, that's uncomfortable, I don't like it. So being very clear, being very specific. 
And then also focus on the facts, not feelings. Instead of like, I feel this or I feel that, narcissists don't care about feelings, but focus on the facts, right? When you barge into my office and I'm on the phone, it's distracting for me. So that's not a, a feeling, it's a fact. You, you're barging into my office, I'm on the phone, it's a distraction. And so I need you to email me first about a time that you'd like us to meet. Um, so stick with the facts, uh, not the feelings. And then also don't try to change them. They're narcissists. It's, it's a part of um, how they're made. It's their, their character. It's, it's in their bones and their tissues. Um, so if you even if you highlight their narcissistic tendencies, uh, they'll kind of revel in that because, once again, it's attention. Which brings us to ignoring their obnoxious behavior, right? Just now, there's a difference between obnoxious and abusive. Abusive behavior we need to take action on immediately. Go through HR, uh, call the cops if necessary. Do not accept any abusive behavior. But obnoxious behavior uh, is just like they're talking too much, talking too loud, doing something ridiculous to get attention. So in that situation, we can just walk away from the obnoxious behavior. But abusive behavior, we want to uh, report and take action. Um, and so manage your reactions and then uh, get social support. Talk to other people about what you're going through, a therapist, a coach, or HR, or someone else at work or outside of work to help you get through that. Uh, let's go to question number four. How can we avoid judgment and bullying in our social community? brought up a problem they're judging you for an action you know if they're judging you for how you dress or for how you say certain words you know to be like you know what thank you always start off with thank you thank you for bringing that to my attention I'm glad that um, uh, that you are you know concerned with how I x y or z how would you suggest that I correct that do you have any suggestions and oftentimes they'll say no. But what's beautiful is it's, it stops it right there because you're not avoiding them. You didn't turn away and you didn't attack them. What you did is you recruited them, you invited them, you are opening yourself up to collaborating with them. And so you're letting them know, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not, I'm not afraid of being judged or being thought of as you know, X, Y, and Z, if you bring an issue to me, I'm going to ask you to work with me on correcting it. And most bullies are unwilling to work with you. And they're going to be shocked that you didn't cringe and run away or cry or hide or try to avoid. You faced them and said, thank you. Thank you was something that they haven't heard in a while. 
And one of the things we all love is a feeling of appreciation, even if it's for judging a person or bullying. So it disarms them, it catches them off guard, and it also, they might be right in what they're judging. Maybe, you know, what they're bringing up is uh, something that could help you out down the road. You may be able to learn and grow from this experience. And then now you have an ally instead of an enemy. That's because that's what I found with most uh, bullies is that if we can face them without antagonizing them, um, we can turn that bully into an ally, that enemy into a collaborator. Uh, You see it uh, oftentimes in movies where some bully tries to to fight the new kid or picking a new kid and and the new kid stands up to them. And then the bully goes, man, you are right. And then they become best friends. So thank them for drawing attention to whatever it is. And once again, if this is a clearly abusive behavior, physically abusive, verbally abusive, then we need to report that uh, through the chain of command. Question number five, how can we avoid burnout in our workplace? This is a great question. I find that we get so caught up in output, in performance, in the doing, that we have very little practice in play. And I bring up play because we think of play as something that only children do, but adults need play. We need that time of unrestricted freedom of movement, of uh, to this time of where we can do whatever, we can improvise, we can be silly, a little goofy. There's so much room for adult play. You know, there's laser tag, there are these uh, rage rooms. We plan everything else out. We plan our meetings, we plan the clothes we're going to wear, we plan what we're going to say in the meetings, but we don't plan our play. We don't take it as seriously. We don't, uh, uh, you know, explore novel experiences. Uh, a, a great way to avoid burnout is to do things that we typically wouldn't do just for the experience of it. As we get older, we go, I don't do that. I don't need that. I don't go there. Our, we, our walls and our worlds become very narrow very small of all the things we don't do part of being a kid is that the kids as kids we're exposed to so many things your parents were taking you to all these different museums and parks and and you just went along for the ride and you were around all these different individuals that you had to learn and adapt and um, interact with and then as adults we just get kind of stuck in our own ways so you know, think about how you spent last weekend and then do something the opposite from that. Go to a museum just for the sake of it. Um, Get a massage just for the sake of it. Sign up for a a class. There's so many, you know, class pass where you can sign up for these different classes for free. They're complimentary, you know, so just to experience a different environment. Explore all the different coffee shops. Make a list of places and parks and people and things that you haven't seen in a while or want to go to. 
there are just so many ways we can avoid burnout and and also to say no to things to say um you know that it's not going to work for me right now a lot of times we say yes because we think if we say no then the work will stop coming but we have to take care of ourselves because this is a marathon we're talking about our life we're not just talking about this moment so you know reconnect with your why you may find that you're burnt out because the work that you're doing or the way that you're doing the work no longer serves you you may need help you know to we might have to delegate some of the work and sometimes we don't want to ask for help or pay for help because we're thinking about the financial cost of it but it the, the help that we hire to bring somebody in doesn't have to be permanent help it could be temporary you could you could uh, um you know bring somebody in to help you for a week or a month like hey can you just answer these emails for this week or can you uh you know clean the house or or make my food for this week whatever like these short bouts to kind of help you get back to neutral or get back on your feet or to help you climb out from under all of the stress and pressure uh, that you're experiencing. You know, that the burnout, there, there's so many different um, tools and methods, so I hope that that gave you some clarity and direction. And then the last question is, how do I say you're such a, a fool with we because I'm not a part of that? I have to be honest, I don't really understand this question. But I will say calling anyone a fool is <laughs> typically not suggested. Uh, name calling. Once we get into name calling, um, it, it forces that person in, into that label. And here's what I mean. If I call someone smart, guess what? they tend to start acting smart. If I call someone athletic, they tend to start acting athletic. People start living up to the labels that we give them. So if we call someone a fool, they're going to start accepting or adapting to that label of fool. And so if this is if you don't want to surround yourself with fools, then we have to start labeling people in a way that we'd like them to be. Be like, wow, you're such a boss. You're so persistent. Um, you're you're such a go-getter. Um, I love that. I love how proactive you are. I love that um, you're so collaborative. Wow, you do a great job of celebrating other people. Um, wow, you're so thoughtful. Oh, what a great insight. Make sure we're labeling people's behaviors in a way that over time, we'd like to see that actual behavior grow. Um, never uh, label in the negative unless we want to see that behavior grow. So I hope that answered your, your question of number six. Once again, go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. And you can also get that five-step mental health protocol and have a link to my podcast. Let's get to tomorrow together.